Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Jay, and this is the Rewatch Podcast. I watch movies all the time. Then I like to rewatch them, and sometimes I'll even watch them again. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad or just downright terrible. I'm going to watch them and then tell you all about them. And sometimes I'll have special guests join me. This is the Rewatch Podcast. Welcome back to the Rewatch Podcast. I am Jay Thomas. And we are still in the spooky season, which means we're grabbing all sorts of horror movies uh, that uh, some I had not even heard of until a few months ago. And you know, if I'm talking about a movie that I've just now learned about, Sean's going to be back on with me. Sean, welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be back. Still recovering from our uh, Dream a Little Dream podcast. It's been a pleasant trip since then. I'm happy to be back. Have you rewatched it since? I have not. My watch pile is, as I always You're a little behind. Always behind, always buried, always like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, 31 movies for 31 days of Halloween. I think I'm at movie like five right now. You had a good start. I did. I get it just depends on what's going on with life. And when I was younger, I had a lot more time on my hands. And so I kind of have to like shoehorn it in. And you know, that's what I love about DVD and, and Blu-rays, the chapters and all that. Yeah. You know, hold your space and bookmark. And you know exactly where you were. Exactly. It makes it a lot easier so I can stay up, you know till two in the morning, watch one hour and, and 26 minutes of a movie and pick it up right there the next day when the, everyone's gone. Let's talk about the movie that we both watched recently uh, from director Nico. Ma- what did we say it was? Masterakis. Masterakis. It is Nightmare at Noon. This doesn't make any sense. Might be something in the air. Wait, the water. I've known all my life feuding with each other for no reason. Please! People in this town don't go around using each other for target practice. What the hell happened to this town? Freeway, mister. Doc, we think there's something wrong with the water. Must be some kind of weird experiment. One guy probably controlling a whole town with toxic chemicals. Warfare like that, you don't need nukes. Just a few men and a few major population centers to activate it. Did anybody ever hear that this is supposed to be a quiet town? For the last couple of years, you have been talking nonstop about Wings Hauser, and he was in this. And I got I got to know here. Let the people know that aren't aware of Wings Hauser. Why is he such a powerhouse? Because he is the B movie god. He has been in so many great '80s low budget movies, chewing the scenery. His teeth are huge. His skin is glowing tan. He's just like so sleek and perfect looking for this time. It's kind of surprising that he wasn't a bigger star than what he was i mean he's a huge star to me his yeah. catalog is super impressive and he's been i don't know working for so long and and i just i laugh intentionally and unintentionally i laugh at everything he does and says because his, his he's always on is through the roof always in everything he does i mean he is just like he's just 100 percent in it and it is it's fun to watch it, it's you know it's too bad he didn't have like that big thing like his son Kohlhauser. Uh, he was one of those character actors that was in a bunch of stuff for a long time. And then he really hit it huge with Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And now he's like a super popular person. But I always think of him from Days Confused. And then when I found out yeah. 
it was Wingshauser's son. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's what I, I will he'll always be the one of the bully with the paddle, not Ben Affleck in Days and Confused. And that whole iconic scene with the uh, no more Mr. Nice guy, uh, you know, Alice Cooper spanking scene. So good. Yeah. But again, he got it from his dad. He's got those good genes and his dad. So many great movies that are, you know, in my collection. Vice Squad, Mutant, Deadly Force. Pretty sure he was on Airwolf, A-Team. I mean, he's been all over the place. L.A. Bounty was a fun one with, um, gosh, what's her name? Your favorite actress. Sybil Danning. Sybil Danning, yes. Oh, man. And that's what I'm saying. He commits. And Wingshauser commits to everything. And he's always like kind of smiling at the camera. He's sort of like uh, Bruce Willis when he would always kind of wink at the camera like, I'm Bruce Willis. I kind of get that feeling like <laughs> Wingshauser. He kind of looks at the camera and like very confident, very cocksure. I, yeah. I'm Wingshauser. And and he's like that for somebody that never got huge. Like, it's mm-hmm. crazy because he's got that big ego. But also, you know, I, I found out watching the behind the scenes, he was kind of a nightmare on this set and a lot of sets. Um, the directors that he, I mean, he's not even in any of the special features and they were made, I think a long time ago, um, very much addicted to cocaine and alcohol problems. And, uh, he said much later, Nico said he got a letter from Wingshauser about it and was like, I'm really sorry for the way that I was on your sets and I apologize I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't I didn't know all that was going on. But then thinking of the movies I have seen him in. Yep. That makes total sense in the world. It was the, the cocaine was his performance enhancing drug. He was on PEDs the whole time. Still doesn't taint my view of him because I <laughs> feel like three fourths of the people we watched on screen in the 80s yeah. were on some kind of substance or another. So uh, no judgment here. Noon, loosely based on the crazies uh, by uh, George A. Romero which I've never mm-hmm. actually seen that version. I did see the remake with Timothy Oliphant from, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. Uh, and I like that. I actually thought that was good. So it's, it's yeah. like a, I wouldn't call this a zombie movie, but it's definitely on that 28 days later, like side of zombie rabies weirdness going on. Yeah. It's definitely that trope of like superhuman weird strength thing. And, you know, manifested in this case by green blood. That's how you know they're infected Green yeah, blood. Well, everybody <laughs> lightly turning green as as they get worse and worse is one of my favorite things in this movie. Uh, it, it starts out well. You get the credits and uh, actor Brian James, who's in Blade Runner. I think I know him best from the movie Enemy Mine with uh, Dennis Quaid and and uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Mm-hmm. He's like the big bad in that. Um, he plays a character called the Albino, and that is literally all you know about him. That's it. And he's, he's at the computer a lot, typing. He wears, I mean, he wears white. His skin yep. is white. Looks like an ice cream man, except he wears giant sunglasses, like those ones that old, <laughs> older people would wear for driving, like my grandmother would wear in right. the car like, that are like shields. Out. It's the it's the it's the craziest look because I mean, you think if you're that white, maybe wear maybe add some color, but <laughs> he's the albino. He's not going to do that. He doesn't follow. <laughs> he doesn't follow rules like that. He's a mad scientist, man. He might be. I don't know what his deal is. Um, you don't really totally find out, right? Or no, there's not it? a lot of explanation. It's just this. No. these two vans roll up, and one of them has Brian James, and he's pushing the buttons. It looks like a kind of looks like the inside of the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Yeah, numbers and everything, and he's got a whole bunch of guys with machine guns. They all have machine guns and laser sights. Kind of impressive for this movie being low budget in 1988 and all the guys have 
laser sights on their machine guns. My favorite thing <laughs> in this movie is right there in the beginning, uh, he and his group go to a lake and this guy drives up with a truck and he yells out the window, those are pretty lights. Are you about to shoot a movie? And then they light him up <laughs> with the machine guns. Yeah, really. Like good old country farm boy just being friendly in the neighborhood at the local uh, reservoir. And they just light him up, literally. It's I mean, not he they good. just shoot the hell out of him. Then they uh they go up to the truck, lightly push it into the lake, no one's gonna notice, and then they shoot this uh green substance into the water. It literally looks like they're firing green glow sticks. And we again, we don't really know why. Um it's presumed later in the movie that it's a government thing or it's another country's government. But it is never specified. No, it's kind of like I kind of like that leaves it open to like the conspiracy theories of who's doing it and why. You don't really yeah. know, don't really get an answer, which adds to the mystique, in my my opinion. So the the albino and and whoever is with him, whatever government he's working for, uh, they want to test it on this small town. It's going to get in their water supply. They're going to cut communications. They're going to jam it, much like space balls. Right. And then they're going to have like an invisible shield so people cannot leave this town uh, to see what happens. And it's a very, very small town. It is uh, Canyon Land. Canyon so Land. I loved it. Redneck. I mean, uh, it's back. It harkens back to the time when they filmed actually on locations. I'm pretty sure this is Utah that they filmed this movie in. And it looked, yeah, looked like gorgeous it. in its own Utah way. I mean, the rocks, the canyons, everything. But. I was also thinking, like, if there was a graboid in this movie, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like, it, <laughs> the, the small town had it was a little bigger than Tremors, yep. but not a ton. Right. Everyone's on horseback, and there's cowboys and good old boys and the sheriff. Sheriff, we got to talk about our sheriff, George Mr. Kennedy. George Kennedy, the statesman. Yes, he's a professional the whole time. He is 100% buying into what he's doing, and does a great job. I thought he was yeah. great in this role. He's awesome. Uh, I think the only thing I've ever, I mean, I'm sure I've seen him in multiple things, but Naked Gun's always what pops out to me. And so it was kind of fun to see him as a sheriff in this completely straight laced, normal going for it. And he seems completely genuine playing this part. Like he's probably my, probably my favorite part about this movie. Well, other than Wings Hauser, obviously. How dare you? You better tread lightly there. No, I know. And that's the thing, like, and the, you know, there's another, I guess another B movie. I'll call him a, a semi god, not quite. Bo Hopkins as Riley, yes, who is just a dick the entire time. Like that's uh -huh. the shtick. It's like I don't care, do whatever you want. I'm gonna half-ass this, and then his story starts to come out, and he's still not likable. Like his backstory, no. still not well, at I would all. Say the only person that's really likable is George Kennedy in this movie. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Wings plays the the Hollywood lawyer. A music right, a music lawyer. Sorry, yeah, he can handle Twisted Sister, so he can handle anything. Like I love that name drop. How did they pick Twisted Sister? I don't know. But I'm sure it was off the top of his head, to be completely yeah. honest. What he was listening to while he was doing a, a rail of coke somewhere. Bo Hopkins, is there any knowledge you can drop on him? He's been in a lot of movies too. He's been in a few different movies with Wings. They were a mutant together, and it was nice. kind of fun. And uh, you know, he's got this kind of gruff exterior. Kind of has a he had a gruff life in real life. He was like adopted and kind of bounced around a little bit and then got into acting and it just feels like the entire time he's wearing his aviator glasses and his like distressed leather jacket 
and just has no, you know, no sense of urgency, nothing. You know, when I, one of the, a zombie guy, whatever we want to call him, a townsperson's been infected, attacks, he's like, well, you better do something about that, I guess. And when you know, fighting him. One of my favorite things about his performance, too, is he barely opens his mouth when he talks. Did you notice <laughs> that? It, it's yeah. like he's just gritting his teeth the whole time, but not like, yeah. not in a Clint Eastwood kind of way, but in like a kind of bored type of way. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll just do this. Maybe that's, I'm trying out for it to be a ventriloquist. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering how much was acting, how much he was actually bored yeah. the entire time. I forgot. I remember he was in Midnight Express, and I remember him having a lot more excitement to be there on Oliver Stone's set. So I don't know if he was just cashing the check or what, but he seemed we to be very to, intent on what he was what he was doing. Uh, we meet Wings in his what, – what is his name in this? I don't even know. I just called him what, Wing Hauser in my notes the whole time. That's what you called him the entire time? Just wings? Like, yeah. that's it? Exclamation point? Ken. His name's Ken. Ken. We're, calling, yeah. we're calling him wings. <laughs> yeah, because it was Ken and Riley. And then Ken, Ken was rolling in the RV with his wife, Sherry. Yeah, from uh, Friday the 13th, part four. And that's how they meet Riley. Uh, Bo Hopkins' character is is a hitchhiker. They pick him up. And I think my favorite thing is they're, they're driving through Canyonland. And... Uh, Wings is tired of his microwave croissant breakfasts. He doesn't want any more. He's like, you smell that? It's ham and egg breakfast. We're pulling in. <laughs> he's just the coolest guy in the world. He's got the classic cool guy look, Wings yeah. and the whole he's time got he's, the... he's got this smirk on his face the whole time. Gonna get a ham and egg breakfast. Yeah, he's perpetually like making you know little quotes and little things and He's got the California license plate and he's got the cool vest and the slick back hair and very excited when they get into their diner. Riley and Ken are like, you know what? We're going to have beers. We're going to start this day off right. Yeah, that's how they get around drinking the water because they're the cool, tough guys. Again, drinking the beer. The first exposure they get to an infected townsperson. And this, again, I I couldn't believe this happened. But the guy stabs the waitress in the hand. Mm -hmm. And while, you know, Wings and his wife, Sherry, I guess Ken and Sherry are like freaking out and yelling. Bo Hopkins shrugs and is like, steak must have been a little tough. I Make it a joke while so this waitress good. is screaming with a steak knife in her hand, blood pouring everywhere. Nope, no big deal there. Ken's wife, she drinks the water, which is yeah. bad news. Um, but that, don't worry, that gets delayed for quite a long time before anything really happens. Uh, yeah, the guy goes crazy, stabs the waitress, and then he slowly turns green. His skin slowly turns green. Blood is green. The guys go and, and try to fight him off. Ken slash Wings does not do well in the fight. It, it's all up to Bo. Bo Hopkins has to come save the day. He does. And it's, I don't know, kind of lackluster. But again, he's the tough guy. And Wings is like the, the lawyer trying to be tough. He always kind of grabs the guns and yeah. tries to be gung-ho. But he doesn't have story. Because Riley, you know, is that used to be, was he a sheriff? He was in law enforcement. Yeah, he was in law enforcement. And he's been just trying to kind of wander the earth. Because right. yeah, he like what? What was it like? A pedophile or something? Like he, he he went after him and killed him or something? Like he went full Punisher? Yeah, full somebody, vigilante. Yeah, and yeah. then he got let go from what he did, so he's just been wandering around. And when uh, a local police officer, a woman comes to see what's going on, Charlie, the uh, the crazy guy at the diner, is going nutso, and she tries to stop him. She shoots him. Doesn't do a lot of good. Well, then Riley pulls out a gun and and shoots him and the thing that i thought was so funny is uh wing sees this and he's like whoa he's had a gun this whole time <laughs> F- that we're leaving 
<laughs> he grabs Sherry and they they try to leave town. And I'm like, because he's got a gun, you've got like two giant rifles in there. Like, right. what? Well, the no. movie is full of strange, there's full of strange moments and strange transitions that don't make any sense. And then uh, Ken and Sherry quickly find out uh, because now the force field uh, magnet shield has been dropped because of the albino and his crew. Uh, they are not able to leave. It breaks down their RV, so they have to turn around, and they are all stuck there. Meanwhile, as far as the albino goes, uh, they just while watching from binoculars. They're just watching to see how the town is is going to react, and uh, they don't they don't react well to drinking the water. No, no, they don't. Yeah. And again, the government guys do nothing except take little weird readings and walk around. Occasionally, yeah. click on the keyboard. There's a lot of keyboard clacking in this movie. <laughs> The music is by one of the composers, Hans Zimmer, you know, the legendary, now legendary. I'm sorry, what? You didn't know that? No. Yeah, Hans Zimmer, it was composed by Stanley Myers and Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer worked with uh, Master Rackus repeatedly, did music. That's how he kind of came up in the industry, you know, from his, you know, day job as a rock star and to score movies. He started doing these movies with him and he's done quite a bit. Wow, I did not realize that. He was paying his dues with Nico and... In small America, small town America, making movies, pretty good. Also, like I just like to throw it out there too. I recommend all any any and all of uh, Master Rackus's movies if you can catch them. Getting back to the movie, this is actually Sorry. it's when all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of people in town start turning green. There's people driving like maniacs. There's this lady getting out of her car, and she could 100% move and get out of the way, but there's a car driving towards her, and she just stops and starts screaming. And I'm like, move. I was really impressed with all the stunt work. There was a ton of great yeah. stunt work in this movie. So much gunplay, though. Like, I, it was an excessive amount of gunplay. Again, that little more sensitive these days with the current state of affairs. But so many random gun battles and gunfights going on the entire time, coupled with all the explosions that they could muster. And the car crashes and the classic, you know, car flip over the ramp. Oh, know. the explosions. I have that in yeah. my notes. There's so many explosions in this, in this movie. Yeah. Just guess bumping the... into a car. Boom. It's going to explode. <laughs> I guess that's another benefit of filming in Utah in 1988. There's no permits, nothing like that. Then probably the locals brought the explosives. I don't know. What you'd imagine an 80s action movie to be. That's what this was. Um, in fact, George Kennedy uh, was saying something like that on. Uh, the the documentary on the Blu-ray where he's like, well, these are the kind of movies that the the people are seeing in the theater. They want these action movies. They want these horror movies. And this is kind of all wrapped into one. And so, of course, I want to do it. Uh, Another funny transition involving him and his deputy who is, you know, I almost got killed. And he's like, oh, that's terrible. What are we going to do? And then she's like, I don't know, dad. And they just leave it at that. Like, you think if you're almost killed, no matter who you are, if you're almost killed and you see your dad five minutes later, you're going to be like, Dad, I almost died. You know, yeah. Dad, this almost happened. And she's just like, well, we got a problem here. And that guy tried to kill me. One thing I do like in this movie is there is a DJ in it. He doesn't do a ton. <laughs> but what he does do is he wears his <laughs> damn headphones when he's talking into the microphone. That is something that you have to do. Accuracy. And they never do it in movies. I love John Carpenter's The Fog, and I love Adrian Barbaro as a DJ, but she doesn't wear headphones, and it drives me up the wall. Well, <laughs> well you're in the industry, so you would notice that more than me, but I like that they, they paid attention to detail there. Maybe that is that guy's yeah. real job. I, I, I mean, he's a local that, DJ. 
I wondered if that he might have actually just been a DJ. I, I would like to point out I'm currently not wearing headphones, but I'm not on the radio. So it's, no, and you're also not drinking a cup of coffee and smoking a cigarette and then using your coffee cup for an ashtray like you know a real radio DJ in nineteen eighty eight. Exactly. But yeah. I'll let it go. I'm I not going to mention it again. I don't need yeah. that business in my life. <laughs> um, and in all movies like this, all like semi zombie movies or zombies, there's got to be a base of operation, and it's at the police station in this one. And uh, that's where, unfortunately, the wife starts to have her very aggressive symptoms. And then she starts getting in a brawl with the uh, the female cop, which I love the fight. I actually thought it was pretty good. They're throwing each other around, going crazy, while uh, Wings is like, you got to have a car service here in town. I'm a music lawyer. I'll find one. <laughs> so they They go to this guy. Floyd, the, the Floyd junkyard guy? Car. Maybe. Like, the sheriff's like, I mean, you could go see Floyd. It wasn't like, yeah, we have a service, but Floyd might have a car. He's, it looks like he just had a junkyard. Uh, well, bad news for them. Floyd is already, he's already gotten crazy. He's he's drank the water, and uh, they have to fight him. Well, that's the sheriff tried to warn him. Yeah. He tried to warn him about Floyd, you know, and that's that's what uh, Sheriff Hanks, as his name says, to, to Wings. Like, you better be careful. And that's when Wings drops the infamous, I'm a lawyer for Twisted Sister. I think I can handle Floyd. I mean, come on. That's the best line ever. It, it, it probably is, but I remember, though, but his, his total breakdown when his wife is in the cell, you know, infected. Oh, yeah. And he gets down and throws himself on the ground. He's, like, crying. It's like, oh, God, what are we going to do? And it's, you know, Oscar caliber performance. That, that's the MVP acting scene for me in the whole movie. Oh, my, yeah, my favorite part is when he's got, like, the gun to his face. He's like, God, I love you. <laughs> he has he has like an I love you to her because he's about to shoot her because they're like he thinks he's you know he's gonna save her by killing her which is is very it's, it's quite the zombie trope one of the people's gonna get it and they're gonna have to sacrifice him but Bo stops him Riley Luckily. stops him he's like don't do it man well that's the thing they find a cure for this pretty quick too is just to tranquilize them and then they're fine right the doctor shows pretty up much yeah gives them a, a tranquil five times a dose of a regular tranquilizer and then they're like. I'm going to sleep for a while. I'm going to sleep this off and be fine. No. Yeah. Is that exact? Is that what happens? Is that what makes them better? Like they wake up. I think so. Yeah. Abby and need a nap. (laughs) Congratulations. This green ooze we're putting in the water turns them into toddlers. (laughs) It's great. I mean, the whole explosion fighting, take a break from that. There is a part though, where two of the albinos men are like flamethrower guys. Oh, yeah. Look, they look exactly like how I imagine G.I. Joe's would look like if they were real. Like it was actually kind of impressive for this movie that these two guys with flamethrowers are torching everything in these shiny metal suits. It looks like G.I. Joe to me. But all I kept thinking while I was watching it was, I want a flamethrower. Check on that Elon Musk one that he had out there for a little while. That and then, you know, we didn't really even talk about the most messed up part. While the whole town's going crazy, there's a crazy mother that's running through. And the uh, the girl officer, is she the deputy? Yeah, she's the deputy. Okay, yeah. So I'm pretty she, sure. She's going to find out what's going on. And there's a little girl crying in the corner of what looks like a broken house. I don't know. It looked like a post-apocalyptic neighborhood at that point. Uh, and the mom shows up with a, a knife. And the police officer has to shoot the mom like in the face while holding the kid. I was like, oh, yeah. oh that's messed up. Uh, that was really, really disturbing. And... 
that they just kind of move on after that. Again, like nothing happened. Like that wasn't yeah, like, just no, the worst good. day of that little girl's life. Yeah, the worst thing imaginable for her. Most of the movie, we do know that the sheriff will turn at some point because he had coffee. Very much the classic guy knows he's infected and denies it yeah. until he turns kind of scenario, right? Yeah, but it's one of those where he, when he finally turns, it's at a drive-in. I think it was a drive-in. They get the guys there. I don't remember exactly how that happens, but, um, or maybe that was their like their next place that they were going. But they decide to set a, a trap over there where they can shoot at him. And uh, the sheriff is really at this point like he's about to go mad, so he's gonna go like shoot them. And I was so bummed. I'm like, well, this is where the flamethrowers aren't fun. They light him on fire. Of course. Like, no. But I believe Riley and Ken, uh, they don't save the day there, but I believe they do kill those guys. They kill quite a few. That's the weird thing. The number of troops that, that the albino has seems to kind of fluctuate. He has a lot. They had two vans, and they blow up one of the vans. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they destroy one of the vans with a flamethrower, and then they find the other van, which the army, whatever, the albino and his crew have rigged to explode which they conveniently figure out while they're rummaging through and then clear yeah it well it yeah. explodes that's one of the big explosions in the movie and i i put in my notes i want to see a contra movie with wings and bow oh god can you imagine so back then if you would have made a movie based on contra and those two were the leads yeah, I've always wanted something like that. I always kind of imagined Predator is as close as we got. I'm sure there's yeah. other movies that you and I haven't watched in the uh, lower budget range or the foreign market Euro movies. We haven't captured that, but the Contra movie, ideal, with bow and wings together. Man, I'd sell my soul for that one. Weird transition here where everyone switches to horseback. Yeah, then it becomes... this. So this is the part of the movie, this section, I had a real struggle with. Mm-hmm. It gets very boring from like the moment George Kennedy uh, goes up in flames. They go into a canyon to find where these bad guys are. These unnamed, unmarked bad guys. I think I text you. It takes seven years. It takes so long. Did you feel that too or is it just me? No, I definitely did. I thought it was very long and I couldn't tell if you were being sarcastic or if you were telling me like trivia. Like they lost funding and they had to come back seven years later to make it because it really felt... (laughs) so terrible it, it didn't take i mean that wasn't part of it but it did feel like a long time and they were just kind of aimlessly wandering it was kind of like yeah what it are was we a lot of wandering do here i mean it gives an excuse for you know wings to get you know injured and taken out and then the random guys just have shootouts and that's the weird thing too it, it, they've got machine guns and they're in canyons and it's beautiful scenery i think it was kind of more of an excuse for them to yeah. utilize the beautiful background because i gotta say it's really well done cinematography here with the utah all the rocks and the cliffs and the dust and the dirt and it looks great but again what is the point i don't know why would why would the albino hang out on top of a cliff somewhere in like plain sight basically while yeah he's just standing there and he i mean i'm sorry but he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb i mean he's yes. just all he's white the guy that's pure white it's the ghost standing up there there's an ice cream man on top of the canyon with a yeah. giant oversized remote and the weird thing, too, is throughout the whole movie, like, there really isn't a main character. I mean, it's kind of an ensemble, but I guess I'd always lean towards it was Wings and his wife. Like, they were the main characters, and then they picked up the hitchhiker, and he was, like, their third. But then, like, when this movie happens, when the shootout happens, and I like the shootout. I thought the shootout was fine. I mean, I like westerns, and it was definitely trying to have that western feel. But, like, Wings gets taken out 
a little earlier than I was expecting. Um, yeah. Then it becomes like the Bo show. It is hundred percent all about him. And then I, I paused it because I had to do something. I looked. I was like, why is there twenty minutes left in this movie? Right. Like then it's twenty the more thing. minutes of him walking around this canyon trying to find the albino. Yeah, getting shot at randomly and carrying, and I think he actually gets hit once and recovering, yeah. and then taking on the albino himself. You know, the albino has a machine gun, yes. and Riley has a revolver that he puts one bullet into. Uh-huh. One bullet in the middle of a canyon. He's a man, shooting, up, shooting upwards at the albino, and then that's not even the best part. Tell, tell them the best part. What happens then? What happens? Oh, you know, the albino's just standing there looking at him like, what are you going to do? And then... This big helicopter comes up behind him, and Bo's like, "Well, this is no problem for me. I can handle this." But in and, the meantime, uh, before this happens, uh, communications comes back, and our hero, the real hero of the movie, the radio DJ, calls the army, much like they do in Monster Squad or Return of and, the Living Dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the army men show up, or at least a helicopter does. So then we've right got behind Bo. We've got a shootout. With a helicopter and a dude, and a helicopter and a dude, it is. I was like, "This okay? I'm I'm back in again." But then they don't really do anything cool with this. Like it, it's ten minutes of Airwolf on screen. Yeah, and the shootout between Bo and the albino is like nothing. I mean, he shoots the albino, I think, like in the leg, doesn't he? And then he falls. Yeah, and he's done. Yeah, he falls off like this little cliff, which you're like, okay, he's dead. He's not. It's not very high up. But my favorite thing is, though, uh, Riley does get him, and then he jams one of those canisters in the albino's mouth with the green ooze. Bite this glow stick. You don't really see him turn much. I mean, you see him kind of getting green a little, like there's a greenish tint. But we don't see the effects of the albino. Like, that's the end of him. Because then it's just a helicopter chase. And I have it in my notes, army versus government, question mark? Because we don't know who anybody is still. So it's like, is this like the CIA versus the army? Is this no. Russia? It's like Top Gun Maverick. We don't know who the villain is. It doesn't no. matter. They're just it, evil. Exactly. You have no idea. All I know is there's a black helicopter. And because this is the 1988s, I'm going to call it a Huey. There's a black Huey fighting with the army chopper because they have full armaments, machine guns and missiles on that. The Huey, oh, yeah. the black Huey has no, well, I can see no guns or weapons or anything. And the army Huey is totally strapped and it should be like a one minute battle. And it turns into what? 10 minutes of Canyon footage of a helicopter yeah. chasing another. I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised that like Bo or wings didn't like jump in and fly the helicopter. Well, that would have made sense, right? Like it would have been in it. It would have, I, I would have blown my mind. Like I would have given this movie probably two more stars. If wings would have recovered from his gunshot and shown up in the army helicopter. Or like I, I hanging would've. from the bottom of it with a gun. Yeah. I mean, that would have been perfect. Cause he got shot like, <laughs> In the shoulder, so that's that would have been it. <laughs> I got bad news, you know, both. I, you, I got some bad news. You're gonna die, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they do this. They save the day. In the end, I thought it was really weird. There's no romance really in this movie, but Bo's like, "Hey, guess what, lady cop? We're gonna kiss." Oh God, thirty Roger, years different. Uncomfortable. I mean, he's he looks like sixty years old, and she looks like twenty five. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's not like a, it's not like a good kiss either. It's just like smashing the faces together. Well, if you watch it again, you know he moves his head while he's kissing her. Her head doesn't move. Yeah, and he moves his head side to side, and it looks 
so awkward. And you know, Wings is just watching, like snorting up some coke. I'm sure. And him and his wife are waiting in the RV, and you know, Bo's got to choose between you know staying in this this town that they just saved, and I guess it seems to be 100 percent back to normal. Yeah, everybody's already. fine. They, like they napped. Four hours. Time was over. All the truck, all the cars, all the explosions are gone. They're not mourning. You know, the town of 100 people is not mourning. The yeah, like half people, people they just lost. Yeah. Shot. Oh well. And then well, yeah, no, she gets I, them the choice. You want to stay I, with I, me? You want to get in that RV with your buddy Wings and his wife Sherry? Takes the oh, road. that's exactly what he's gonna do. And it begs for a sequel. Yeah, this movie uh, is pretty nutty. I gotta say, like, I enjoyed it when when I was watching it. I'm like, this is fun. Until we get to the canyon. Yeah. Then it kind of drops off the face of the canyon, which is And I, I would have, I mean, I like Brian James a lot in things. Like, he's a really good bad guy character actor. Mm-hmm. And they don't really do much with him. I mean, he's got a presence every time they show him. I know it, yeah. he's there and I'm, I'm excited. But they, like, he's got such an interesting look in this. I wish they would have done more. Yeah. They don't give him a lot to do besides. Look ominous, you know, don't smile, push some buttons, nod. Do you, do you think his audition was like, can you use a keyboard? <laughs> it's possible. Like, how do you look in white? Are you opposed to painting your face white? And uh, we're going to dye your goatee as well. Is that okay? Well, it depends. Are we shooting this before or after Labor Day? Um, I Yeah, I, I, I enjoy this. I, I want to watch more of Nico's movies. What would you say I should should be the next one that I watch? I think Hired to Kill or The Zero Boys would be great to go with. Um, they're both a lot of fun. I, I, you know, I'd say the zero boys would probably be where you want to go next. Well, Sean, welcome back. I'm so happy that you were able to come on here and, and tell me you wanted to do this movie uh, because we were trying to find the right one. And once you said this one, I'm like, Oh yeah, we absolutely. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. I don't, I know we're always passionate about the movies we talk about and we only talk about the best movies. So I'm glad oh, to yeah, be here absolutely. for this five star 1988 classic. Nightmare at noon. The Rewatch Podcast is an Alpha Media production.